A lot of people say they don't read the Bible because they don't understand it. And as a Christian, I feel like it's my duty to explain it to you. Welcome to the Ghetto Bible Tales. I'm your host, Jerrica. And here at the Ghetto Bible Tales, we retell Bible stories and discuss biblical themes in a comical yet understandable way. We're going to laugh, but we're going to learn too. So strap on your seatbelt, pop yourself some popcorn, and let's do this. It's your girl, Jerrica, and I am back with another Ghetto Bible Tales. And this is the episode before the season finale. Can y'all believe that we have made it nine episodes to Ghetto Bible Tales? How awesome is that? Hand clap for all of us. We got one more episode, and I promise you the finale is probably going to be long. But thank you for tuning in so far. And, you know, like share and comment my video and share my um podcast with other people who might be interested in learning about the bible but laughing and not having the bible be so intimidating like i promise you the bible is a good read and i promise ghetto bible tales will not disappoint with season two but anyway today we are going to discuss when elisha cursed those people and made the bears eat them for calling him ball headed. Get ready for that. So before we get into this story, y'all already know, we have to go over the rules of context. We in the ninth episode now, baby. You ought to be used to this, so don't be moaning and groaning. But anyway, the rules of context are one, language the bible was not originally written in english so sometimes things may be translated kind of weird you need to keep it keep that in mind when reading the bible rule number two history and culture ladies and gentlemen the bible is ancient israel culture stop applying modern day american culture to the bible or whatever culture you live in outside of ancient Israel, okay? Stop applying that to the Bible because that's not how it works and it ain't going to work. It's never going to make sense. So stop it. Rule number three, the Holy Spirit. You will never ever be able to gain understanding of the Bible without the Lord's help. So you need to get in contact with him and ask him to help you, guide you through this book. And he does that by what? Bestowing his Holy Spirit upon you, okay? And the final rule of context is, say it with me, everybody, reading the Bible as a whole. Do not take one verse or half a verse or two words from a verse and expand it on this grand scale to mean something when in context, it probably don't even mean what you said it means. So stop doing it. Read the Bible. Take it as it is from beginning to end. Genesis to Revelation. Stop cutting it up. Stop dividing it. Stop doing it. Read it as a whole. Okay. And ladies and gentlemen, those are your rules of context. Now, if you got an understanding of the rules of context, let's continue on in this story. So this story takes place in 2 Kings, the second chapter. 
At the beginning of this chapter, we find out that the prophet Elijah is about to make his uh, ascend into heaven. And we realize that he wants to be alone because he asks his protege, Elisha, if he could just leave him alone because he's about to, you know, die, basically. Um, But he wanted to be alone. And Elisha said, you know, I'm not going to leave you. I want to be with you when this happens. So... Elijah, I guess, is cool with that, even though he didn't really want any company. He wanted to be alone when this happened because this is going to be a pretty miraculous death. Um, He was going to be taken up into heaven, and he knew that. And I guess he didn't really want to cause a commotion or whatever. I'm not sure why Elijah wanted to be alone, but he did want to be by himself. But he allowed Elisha to uh, follow him to Jericho. And apparently, this was a well-known event because when Elisha and Elijah start their journey to Jericho, they're being followed by what the Bible calls the sons of the prophets. So I don't know if that means that these are students or whatever they are because it's um, like 50 of them. The Bible gives a number. It's 50 people following them, 50 young men or whatever. And a part of me is thinking that they're students of Elijah and Elisha. I don't think they're necessarily their children. I think that they're students, but they're called the sons of the sons of the prophets and they follow them to Jericho. And then they asked Elisha. And this is the reason why I think that this must have been a, a well-known event or it was a prophesized event or something because the sons of the prophets asked Elisha, is Elijah about to die? Is he about to be taken up into heaven? And Elisha told them, yeah, that's about to happen, but be quiet. Don't tell nobody. Because as we all know, Elijah had wanted to be alone anyway. He didn't want nobody all up in his business, which we all can relate to that. So they on their journey to Jericho. They end up at the River Jordan. And of course, the sons of the prophets are still following behind them because I honestly think that they really wanted to see if this was actually going to happen because it must have been prophesied that he was going to be taken up into heaven in some miraculous way. And I truly believe that these dudes was following just to see if it was actually going to happen. So anyway, Elijah and Elisha and the little followers, they end up at the River Jordan. And once again, Elijah asks Elisha, you know, you want to stay behind or whatever. And Elisha says, no, I'm coming with you. Elijah was like, okay, I guess. And so he, Elijah's carrying, uh, the Bible calls it a mantle. So I'm assuming it's like a staff or a stick or whatever. Kind of like, y'all remember that movie Prince of Egypt? When Moses had that uh, staff that he divided the waters with. And everything else, the staff that turned into snakes and stuff. I believe that Elijah also had one of those. And, oh, fun fact for my Bible geeks out there. Y'all know for very much a fact. We know for a fact that Elijah and Moses are two people that definitely made it into heaven. How do you know, Jerrica? Because in the New Testament, when Jesus is in his God body and the disciples see him, he's standing with Elijah and Moses. Just, I mean, I mean just, just just throwing that little tidbit out there because, you know, I'm a, I'm a nerd. But anyway, so 
Elijah strikes the river Jordan because they're at the river Jordan. He strikes the river with his stick and it parts. And him and Elisha walk across it on dry land. And they leave the sons of the prophet. They on the other side of the river. They didn't follow them across. They, they on the other side of the river. So they're going to have to watch from afar. But anyway, once they make it to the other side, Elijah asks Elisha, is there anything that you want from me before I die? Like, is there anything I can do for you? And, you know, Elisha, he asked Elijah for a double portion of the Lord's spirit. He was like, I want to be you times two. And Elijah was like, okay then, okay. Well, if you witness, if you stay here and witness me being carried up to heaven, then you will be granted double portion of my spirit. Like double portion of what the, the authority that God gave me. You will be granted double portion of that. And if you don't witness me be taken up to heaven, then you get nothing. Or you keep what you got. Which I thought was weird. Because I was like, how... How does Elijah have the authority to do that? But then I thought about it. Elijah's relationship with God. He was basically saying, Lord, I want you to um, give Elisha a double portion of what you gave me. Is essentially what Elijah said without saying it. That was like a declaration to the Lord. Like, Lord, if he witnessed what's about to happen, give him double portion of what you gave me. Double portion of your spirit, Lord. That's what I believe Elijah was saying when he told Elisha this. So, after Elijah makes that declaration, a chariot of fire appears. And the horses that were pulling the chariot were also like fire, like fire horses. And they come galloping from heaven. And Elijah is swept up in like a whirlwind into the the chariot. And he is taken up into heaven. And Elisha witnesses this whole thing. Like he just staring at his mentor going up to heaven. And he like cries out to the Lord. And was, and then he ripped his clothes. And I done talked about this before. What kind of clothes was they wearing back then? Like how can you just. Have y'all ever read the Old Testament? Y'all know how many dudes out here ripping their clothes? Because I'm going to tell you something. That's not something that happens in the New Testament. Them dudes don't be ripping their clothes. Jesus and the disciples didn't rip their clothes every time something happened. I don't know why the Old Testament men were so dramatic. Like, oh, my mentor is gone. Oh, just rip the clothes. And and and, and you, you see how hard it is? Like, how do you rip? How can you rip your clothes? That is terribly hard. I am getting off topic. Let me get myself back together. Anyway, after his mentor is taken up, mind you, the um the 50 dudes that follow him that was across the other side of the river jordan they saw it too everybody saw let me rephrase that everybody saw that chariot of fire not just elisha he just he was the only person to see it up close this was seen by anyone who had a visual of the sky they saw that fiery chariot with them fiery horses come down to heaven now some of them probably didn't know where it went but Elisha knew because he get he got to see it up close and personal, but everybody had a view of that chariot in the sky. So everybody saw it. This was an event that everyone knew about. So after all of this, um Elisha, you know, he ripped his clothes, da da da, da cried out to the Lord. 
So he pulls himself together. And he picks up Elijah's staff. Because during the moment when Elijah was taken up, he dropped his staff or his mantle, what the Bible call it. He dropped it and uh, <clears throat> bestowed it upon Elisha, basically. So Elisha picked it up and he gathered himself. And then he walked back to the River Jordan. Now, when Elisha gets to the river, he stares down at the water. He holding that staff in his hand and he says, where is the God of Elijah? And then he struck the water and it parted. And he walked across on dry land. Now, when he asked him, where is the God of Elijah? He was basically confirming whether or not he got what he asked for. And he did because just like Elijah, when they were coming, he was able to part the Jordan. Prior to this, Elisha could not part the river, okay? So, this was proof that Elisha has been bestowed double portion of what Elijah had from God. So, Elisha was pretty strong spiritually thanks to him witnessing Elijah being taken up to heaven. So, him splitting the Jordan... And walking across on um, dry land was confirmation of the deal that him and Elijah and God had together. So when the sons of the prophets that were on the other side of the Jordan saw him walking by, and he was by himself, well, of course, they saw Elijah going up anyway. But then when they saw him coming, they said, the spirit of Elijah has been bestowed upon Elisha. When he does finally make it over, mind you, Elisha is... In mourning, he had been with Elijah for a long time. That was his teacher. He had followed him for a very long time. And, you know, they had a friendship. They were like best friends, basically. So he was in mourning. But um, the children, not the children, I'm sorry. The the sons of the prophets asked Elisha, Should we go look for Elijah's body? Because, I mean, we saw the chariot come and get him. But, like, what if he dropped his body off somewhere? And Elisha was like, No. Like, there is nobody. Like, he is gone to heaven. They just kept worrying Elisha about it. I don't know what it is about people. It's just like, we, we, it's like you have to see a body to get closure. That's how a lot of people are. Like, like if a family member go missing, people be wanting closure because they want to stay. The, the, seeing the dead body would be closure. And I'm, I'm assuming that that's what these sons of the prophet, prophets were trying to point out was like that maybe that maybe uh uh his body fell from the chariot of the fiery chariot and yeah we should go find it and they just kept pestering Elisha because initially Elisha said nah ain't nobody for the ain't nobody for y'all to find but they kept pestering him until eventually he broke and he was like whatever go look for it so stupidly they go search for a body for three days like y'all wasted three days of your life looking for a body that we all saw was taken up into heaven. Like, is y'all stupid? But anyway, they go look for the body and they come back and they tell Alicia, we ain't find nothing. And Alicia was like, duh, because there ain't no body for y'all to find. It is going up into heaven. And if that ain't a reference to Jesus Christ. Hmm. Now, we get to see Elisha's first miracle with his newly granted 
spiritual authority. I don't even know where they're at. I think I, I'm assuming they're still in Jericho because it doesn't really say. So while they're there, the sons of the prophets come to Elisha and they tell him about the people. They're complaining because their water is dirty. And because the water is so bad, it's hard for them to harvest food on the ground. So now the ground is barren and the water is filthy. We can't drink that water. We can't even use that water to grow food. And Elisha was like, okay. So he told him to bring him a bowl of salt. And they brought him a bowl of salt. He took the bowl of salt and he threw it in the water. And then, you know, he spoke a word and the water was healed. And then the ground was healed. And so the ground was able to grow food. And they was able to also drink and drink from the water and use it to, you know, garden or farm or whatever. After that first miracle, Elisha heads to Bethel. And this is where the controversy begins. Because while he is in Bethel. Mind you, this was a few days after Elijah has been taken up into heaven. Elisha is still mourning for his mentor. Um, if I'm not mistaken, historically speaking, um, when we go back to earlier books of the Bible, I want to say God gives you 30 days to mourn someone. I think it's 30 days. I will have to go back and check. I'm not, I don't remember, but Elisha was still mourning the death of his mentor. Um, so while he is traveling through Bethel alone, he is approached by a bunch of youths, is what the Bible say. And they tell him, Go up, bald head, go up. Go up, bald head, go up. And they keep following him and they're chanting this over and over and over. And Elisha, he stops and he puts a curse on them. And then all of a sudden, bears come from out of nowhere and they just maul the youths. Now, the great debate is people think that the youths are children. So... This is where the rules of context come into play. Specifically, rule number one, language. According to biblical scholars and people that specialize in ancient Hebrew, the word that was used for youth in the Bible was also used previously in um, Genesis for a description of Joseph. And we all know that Joseph was not a child. Joseph was a young adult. So, in this case, being that the same word in Hebrew was used in both uh, sections of the Bible, these are not children that Elisha is cursing. These are young adult men. So, probably ranging from within the age of 18 to 25. So, these are not children that are being cursed. These are young adults. They are very knowledgeable of what they are doing and they were cursed and punished accordingly. Once again, these are not children. That is why I tell people, read the Bible in context. This Bible was not originally written in English. It was written in Hebrew. And the word for Hebrew that was used to describe these men and to describe Joseph was the exact same word. And like I said, Joseph was not a child. Joseph was a young adult male. And in this case, these guys that were cursed by Elisha and were mauled by bears 
were also young adult men, not children. And according to the Bible, it was 42 of them. So mind you, Elisha is more than likely an older guy because these prophets were pretty freaking old. He's traveling alone and they coming at him talking about go up bald man, which is another thing. They're making fun of Elijah's death. Mind you, Elisha is still mourning the death of his mentor. And here they come mocking him and talking smack about Elijah's Elijah dying. Like, let's be honest. If somebody you love just died and somebody come in your face bobbing you and making fun of the fact that you just lost somebody, you can't tell me that you ain't finna turn around and fight. The difference between you and Elisha is Elisha let God fight. Because you probably would have turned around and punched somebody in the face that had a came for you about your dead friend, your dead mom, or your dead relative. This right here was no different. Elisha still this Elijah just got just ascended about a week ago, and Elisha is still mourning. And here they come bothering him. 42 people. 42 people come bullying him, making fun of the fact that his best friend just freaking died. So he let the Lord handle him. I don't see nothing wrong with what he did. Do you? I mean, it was a mob of 42 young adult men coming at him. And no more than likely, they probably throwing rocks and stuff at him. Go up, bow head man. Go up, bow head man. And just bothering him. But these young adults knew. They knew that Elijah had died. And they came and made fun of Elisha about it. And then they was telling him to die too. Because they were saying, go up, bow head man. Go up. So they saying, that dude went up into heaven. Why don't you go too? Like they was, they was bothering him. They were pestering him. They were mocking him. And through mocking, and they, and they were mocking him and they were mocking Elijah. And through mocking him and mocking Elijah, you was also mocking God. And God was like, well, let me take care of this. Elisha said the word and God took care of it. And all 42 of them got mauled. And I'm pretty sure that nobody else, nobody else came for Elisha after this, calling him a bald-headed man and telling him to go up. I guarantee you they didn't because they didn't want to get mauled by bears. I'm just saying. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the story of when Elisha cursed those dudes and made bears eat them. But you do not have to take my word for it. You can read it for yourself in 2 Kings, the second chapter. I would like to thank all y'all for tuning in to the Ghetto Bible Tales, making it this far to episode 9. Um, the finale is going to be a good one. A long one and a really, probably a really emotional one for me because uh, the finale is going to be very personal to me, a very personal story. And I'm probably going to cry through that whole video, but it is what it is. <laughs> Make sure you follow me on all social media at Ghetto Baba Tales. That's on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. Mind you, if you cannot uh, watch the video format of Ghetto Bible Tales. You may listen to the podcast streaming on all podcast services. This has been your girl, Jerrica. And until next time, peace. All Ghetto Bible Tales episodes are posted on YouTube simultaneously in video format. Thanks for tuning in. You can follow the show on all social media at Ghetto Bible Tales. 
head on over to ghettobobbletales.com and you can sign up for the mailing list so that you can be notified of updates and other things. You can also request topics or stories that you'd like for me to discuss on the show. Once again, I'm your host, Jerrica, and this has been the Ghetto Bible Tales. New episodes are posted every Wednesday and every Sunday.